anybody who is missing out on Dr. Sanjay Gupta taking questions on Zoom from people is really lucky that they don't get to see it. People are unbelievably stupid with their questions. Oh, um, doctor, I have an 84-year-old aunt. She's a cancer survivor. She's in remission. I have COVID and syphilis. When's a good time to pop by the house and tongue kiss her? Jesus. It's people with these fucking questions. I am in podcast heaven. I'm excited. Calling CQ. Calling CQ. The entire country has to take a look at the NBA and say, nice job with the bubble. Nobody's tested positive. For the first time in our lifetime, we have to say, Americans need to behave more like NBA players, and we will all be far healthier, better nation. Can you believe you just said that? Americans I know. Americans need to behave like NBA players. Yes. No, I know Chris Jenner and the Kardashians are laughing at that one as they <laughs> JT and Looney podcast episode 47 of the Rockets and the Thunder, a seven game series. Houston looks tired and bedraggled from that drawn out series. Uh, are the Lakers going to take out the Rockets in five the same way they took out the the Portland Trailblazers in five? Yeah, I, I would say the six to play it safe. I think the what's interesting about the Rockets is the Rockets can give you a great game. Remember, Damian Lillard won game one against the Lakers, right? Yep. That was an unbelievable game. By winning game one, I thought they would have won at least one more game. They're up one nothing, and there was six games left. I would have given them one more, and the Lakers just stepped on them and stomped them out. If the Rockets win game one or game two, they'll win another because they have Russell Westbrook and Harden right. and a couple of guys who can make shots. So I think the Lakers look great right now. I think the Lakers are going to be on cruise control, and I'm hoping – I'm hoping that it's Clippers-Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Well, yeah, we've been hoping that since actually, since uh, about October. Wow. 11 months ago. 11 months ago, we were hoping for a Western Conference Finals of the Lakers and the Clippers, and it will take us a year to get there because of COVID-19, but at least we're getting there. And at least we're getting back to playoff wagering with the NBA. And we're going to have Major League Baseball and the NHL. Got NFL coming up. And we also have a sponsor here on the JT and Looney podcast. And that would be Bet Online. Take full advantage of sports being back. Get in on the action with hundreds of odds. They got futures and props for you to bet on. And there's always the online casino open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a call to action. Wager your money on sports. Don't invest in the stock market or other kinds of futures. Just wager your extra spending money on sports at BetOnlineAG. Sign up. Get your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's BetOnlineAG. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. And just in the interest of journalistic integrity, not that I'm a journalist and not that I have any integrity, but it's betonline.ag. Betonline.ag. Okay? All right. You bet. Get ready to roar. I got the eye of the tiger. With her signature flower crown, she's dancing away from Big Cat Rescue all the way to the ballroom, even bringing her cat. It's the tiger queen herself, Carol Baskin. Get 
already, you cool cats and kittens. Looks like your guy Charles Oakley and Carol Baskin from Tiger King is going to be on one of your favorite shows, Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, what I got a your... big problem with this. I yes. got a really big problem with this. We use it. It's basically television rehab. <laughs> what it is is television rehab. I'm the only guy in the country who gets this. Mm-hmm. What happens is now they debut Dancing with the Stars on Good Morning America in the morning. And they make George Stephanopoulos so uncomfortable <laughs> that literally he cringes because he reads the hard news. It's Biden. It's Trump. He used to work in the White House, oh, right? And, and Portland is burning or it's not. And Wisconsin's in trouble. And the president shouldn't go. And then when we come back, George is going to introduce, you know, C-list actors who are in jail for cocaine. And they're going <laughs> to. And I think he was off. I told my wife because, you know, we watch morning TV in bed when we get. Our son, one son's in college, the other one off to high school, which is literally like waking up a mummy. Every morning oh. I've talked about this. Yeah. It's like waking up a mummy. I'm not exaggerating at all. I played golf with him today. Energy hitting the ball past me in the morning. It doesn't matter if it's 11 at night, uh, 11 a.m., whatever it is, it's like waking up a mummy. So we wake up in the morning, we're watching morning television, and it's Dancing with the Stars Day. This is a show that has put on Andy Dick. Yes, we always, I always call it Andy Dick Syndrome is the perfect explanation for what bothers you about Dancing with the Stars. What they do is they do rehab for television. So they take people, some who deserve it. If you put Betty White on Dancing with the Stars, she deserves it. She's in her 90s. She's been on television her whole life. She's an American institution. <laughs> right. her on. I'm fine with that. But then when you start putting actors and actresses on who have been to rehab and have been arrested or been on canceled after canceled after canceled shows, and then you put them on a show that gets a massive audience, massive audience, you're rewarding them for their recent failures. That's never happened in television history. Think of this for a second. If you get a late night television show, if you're not good in two bleeping months, if you're not good in two months, you're canceled. Ask Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. Go back to that, right? If you get a sitcom on ABC, CBS, NBC, and it's not good in the first couple of weeks, canceled. You could have six canceled sitcoms and get a spot on Dancing with the <laughs> and It's ballroom dancing, and I understand why. My mom or my mother-in-law, my wife will watch. My, my mother, my mother was a, my mother and father owned a dance studio. Right, it's colorful. Yeah. There's a mirror ball. They wear costumes. We're so fucking in love with costumes in this country. <laughs> Anybody puts on a costume on TV, it's good. And then they revolve the host, and there's always a scandal with one of the hosts being left out. So again, yeah, it drives me crazy every year that we will re- reward people who don't deserve to be on television with a big audience they're cutting the line again and they should go back to reality tv on some rogue channel some hgtv or some small channel channel 324 that you've never heard of and prove themselves there instead of going on a show that has 15 million (laughs) viewers and it's the top three in the ratings it drives me crazy sorry Do do your two sons still dressed up in costumes no, but that's great. I'm happy. To that, up. that makes me happy. They both went through. They both went through that era where they could not not dressed up as Batman and Spider-Man. If you if you Every had oh, I, I just remember any time I ever went over to your house, the adults would have some fun. And then about an hour or two into the fun, two small boys would run out and cost in Halloween costumes in January. 
they would no. wear their costumes year round. <laughs> Nothing was bigger than my oldest son, who's now, I think he's 6'3, 6'4, 240 right. pounds, sophomore at Oklahoma. He would, we'd call him Bud Light, Buzz Lightyear. He was Buzz Lightyear. No one was more fascinated with Buzz, <laughs> Woody and Buzz. And he would sing, uh -huh. and he would walk around with the Woody doll from that, and he would dress up with the wings. Uh -huh. Buzz Lightyear. And we'd get up in the middle of the night or in the morning and he'd have cereal. He'd be dressed up as Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> he loved it. And he'd be Spider-Man and all that. But man, kids, Tom, kids get old. When you, when you hear this as a parent, and I, I say this all the time because Facebook does a great job with memories. And now I'm getting memories from nine years ago, seven years ago, four years ago, seeing my sons play JV football or a Halloween or whatever it is. And it, they do grow oh. up fast. Uh, well, again, I hate hearing the years of your children because, you know, I'm obsessed with age. Yeah. And I always think that no, nobody else can do the math on mine. Like, oh, okay, if, we, if you've known me, if you've known me for 20 years, like you couldn't somehow put a, raw, a number on 20 years ago. I'm, I think everyone has no math ability. But when anybody tells me that, or when my godson turned 29, and, he, and I remember one time he said to me, he always called me Padrino because his original language was Spanish. And he said, <clears throat> Padrino, you've been 29 all my life. He said that once when he was about 16. And when he turned 29, it was it made me feel so old because I had been telling him I was 29 all his fucking life. The JT and Looney Podcast, episode 47. This could be the happiest podcast of my life. I'm finally tuned up my headset my zoom my laptop my ip connection i've been waiting for this day hallelujah i feel like marconi thomas edison all the young inventors tonight it's finally here tom oh my goodness and you sound so good crystal clear modulation finally I just love being able to scam everybody by being at home and doing something that has to do with audio <laughs> for this to work. I was doing, I was doing it through one board, another board, another board, trying to dial it in mix minus all these technical terms. Joe Sands would come out to the house and try to engineer me up a bit. One button wouldn't be on. One would be off. One would need to be turned up. My levels weren't right. And now I am in podcast heaven. I'm excited. And you're not stuck in your wife's walk-in closet for the perfect sound. You know, when I worked at the Best Damn Sports Show, period, they made a special a special booth for me because we could never get the sound right. So I wasn't in a real sound booth. I was in a, a makeshift one that wasn't all that different from your wife's walk-in closet. It's good to have you in a real normal room now. Good to be podcasting with you again, man. I love it. Ready to go. We're chasing Joe Rogan. We're looking for a deal. We're with Braun. We hope Braun comes to us someday and says, we can't keep you at Believe. You're so big. And we'll help him buy a bigger Believe. But we finally have no excuses. You know, my old swimming coach, when I was a kid, would say it, and I heard it all the time. Excuses die. The record stands. And that would be a term that I would use my entire life. Ooh. Excuses die. The record stands. Now we have no more podcast excuses. Excuses die. Record stands. You know, coaches have such a great influence on our lives, don't they? The good ones. You know, when you get a bad coach, it really sucks. One thing about great coaches, they ruin it for the other ones. <laughs> Well, well, we, great segue because Andy Reid just got a new deal and Andy Reid was thought of as an average coach at best 
He, just an average coach. He couldn't win the big one. Well, he was a quarterback whisperer. He was thought of as a quarterback whisperer. Even guys like Ty Detmer, no matter who they were, would play great once Andy Reid whispered in their ears. But you know, I was talking about Denny Green this week. Denny Green yeah. was a really good coach, but he yeah. never won a Super Bowl. And now when you win a Super Bowl or you're a coach and you're Coach K, Bobby Knight, you win multiple championships, you go to this pantheon, this next level, and there's so many great coaches in sports who sometimes don't win a championship. Yeah, They're so good and so highly respected. I had one on the radio this week I wanted to share with you, David Shaw. David Shaw is the head coach of Stanford. Mm Mm-hmm. And we reconnected again. I had him on the Raiders radio show because not only is he the Stanford head coach, but the Pac-12 canceled football. And I met him. He was John Gruden's. He was on John Gruden's staff in 2001 with the Raiders. Okay. Oh, you know all those guys. Yeah, Yeah, we're having a conversation with him, a nice conversation on the radio. And he's telling me about his coaching tree. Played at Stanford as a wide receiver. His dad was his coach, who was a professional coach with the Lions. Wow. His coach in college was Bill Walsh and Denny Green. Oh, my God. He came into the league under Brian Billick, John Gruden in Philadelphia, who brought him to Oakland when Gruden became the head coach. He works for Gruden. He goes to this team in Baltimore. I mentioned Billick. He's in the room with Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis for all those years as a coach. Wow. Then he gets on a guy's staff name. Jim Harbaugh. Remember him at Stanford? Well, yeah, and you knew him from the Raider days, too. Right, and then he took over Stanford, and I asked him a big question at the end. I said, Coach, I think I know the answer, but the Rooney rule has failed. It's failed because we Mm. don't have enough African-American executives, head coaches. It's a joke. And I said, I think I know the answer, but every time there's a coaching vacancy, you're the guy I think should take it. And he goes, JT, I got the best job in the world. He's on campus at Stanford where they discover everything, every scientist, Facebook, all these great companies, and he's living the dream. Well, a lot of coaches don't pinch themselves and realize they do have a good gig. Uh, Harbaugh had a good gig at Stanford and probably never should have left. He never would have had to move out. He had the same house when he coached the Raiders, and then he never had to move out of that house. He went and became a genius at Stanford and should have stayed there. He should have stayed there. Speaking of coaches, as we, we jump on this, the coach in my lifetime, that went from being, oh, he's just a guy, or he's just a guy who has good players, to being maybe the best is Phil Jackson. I and mean, you're a Laker fan. Yeah. Phil Jackson on that last, the last dance documentary, we got a, see, a chance to see Phil coach in Puerto Rico where fights broke out and there were right. gun fights outside the arena. Then we saw him with the Albany Patroons. Yeah, very good. And then he ends up becoming an assistant to the great Red Holtzman after he played and the journey and all that. But you know how stupid it must have sounded back in the 90s when everyone said, well, he has Michael Jordan. Well, he has Shaq and Kobe. Well, he has all these great players. You know how tough it is to manage great players? Oh, yeah, because they're all leaders. You're, You're leading leaders. Leaders don't follow very easily. That's why they're leaders. And people who make it onto NBA team have a whole different arrogant mindset. And you know, I've always said arrogance is beautiful. Arrogance isn't a negative. That's how we cure polio. 
and cancer and COVID-19 because young, arrogant doctors say, I can do it. Same thing with young, arrogant guys who are 15 who say, oh, I can play in the NBA. And then they end up doing it. How do you lead those guys with that arrogance? And he took all those egos. And remember, Chicago couldn't couldn't win it without Phil Jackson and the Lakers couldn't win it without Phil Jackson. And both of those rosters were packed with outstanding talent that couldn't do shit until Phil Jackson came to town. Do we romanticize coaches too much in the history of the sport dating back to Casey Stengel and the great Yankees or going all the way through Vince Lombardi and Parcells, whoever it is. I mentioned Bill Walsh. Do we romanticize? Do we make them out to be bigger than they actually are? They're just coaches and grinders, but that we put them on these pedestals. Well, what happens is I think a lot of times it's like parenting. We give parents too much credit when kids end up being wonderful and too much blame when kids end up being ne'er-do-wells and E apostrophe E-R, ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> I thought that was a strange uh, colloquialism. But nevertheless, you know, you know how that goes. Uh, and and you know, human beings have choices that they make in their lives, and so do your children, and so did you and I. You and I did plenty of shenanigans when we were in college and in our 20s, and we were not brought up to behave that way, even though we had wonderful parents. So sometimes parents get too much credit and too much blame. Same thing with coaches. But a lot of times you'll see John Gruden comes in after Tony Dungy couldn't get a team to the Super Bowl. Magically, the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. No, it wasn't magic. It was John Gruden. Absolutely. Some coaches, some coaches are just better than others. Last point on this. Look at the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors couldn't do it without, uh, couldn't do it with any other coach. Couldn't do it. Couldn't get it with all those great players. Couldn't do it. Steve Kerr's done a lot. Steve yep. Kerr won three championships. He's won a bunch of them. He's just a guy collecting. They had, they had some of the same guys before Steve Kerr got there. But the best coach that we might have seen ever in our entire lives happened on our watch with Bill Belichick. Because I grew up as a Giant fan watching Belichick as the defensive coordinator win two Super Bowls with Bill Parcells. Two of the greatest Super Bowls by far that you could win when you think of that. Lawrence Taylor Super Bowls and the way they did it with Phil Simms in the Rose Bowl. The great win against the young Elway, then the Hostetler versus Jim Kelly. And then part of what happens to Belichick, he goes on and wins six Super Bowls in New England with Tom Brady. And he cemented himself better than Lombardi better than Ditka, uh, better than Shula, the great Don Shula, who was great. Bill Belichick is probably the greatest coach in any sport of our lifetime, other than John Wooden. I'm going to give John Wooden the edge because of his principles in life and coaching and all of that. Who do you think was a better person? Bill Belichick or John Wooden? Well, listen, as you know, you've always liked to tease the type of deals that Wooden was doing around West. I know, Iraq. that's true. Even though you I always yeah. like to tease John Wooden, <laughs> even though he taught everyone how to retie their shoelaces. Yes. With your shoelaces. You oh, know, yes. car deal back in the day. Oh, or something my goodness. happening around there. Or See something. no evil, hear no evil. Yeah, he was really good at not knowing what was going on. The way Rick Patino somehow didn't know what was going on. People get really mad, so we don't want to go down that road too far. But I will say this about Bill Belichick. If you go back in the hot tub time machine to 1999 2000 do you remember late it was the late 90s we were saying those of us with big mouths were saying why 
uh, or maybe you weren't because you're, you're you're biased. But why are the Jets and the Patriots going to court and fighting over this schlub? Do you remember that? It was yeah. a big fight between the Jets and the Patriots over who gets to coach our team because they both claimed they had the rights to Bill Belichick. And everybody in the country is going, oh, why are they fighting over the schlub? Well, we found out why. Mike Thomas does it again. Touchdown. Now, the Madden 21's coming out. So remember, get the Madden 21. Did your kids get the Madden 21? Did you listen for me? I've never played Madden 21, but I know I'm on it. Yes, and congratulations because I think as a voiceover guy, as a newsman, as a sports talk radio host, as an actor, everything you've achieved in your life, I am so proud. Thank you. Tell us about this Madden move. Ah, oh, it's really cool. You know, and I always, I've told friends that I think it's a last call panic where I maybe I'm a glitch guy or whatever, but in July, I get a call from the Madden people and they need a bunch of play-by-play. And it was a lot of Lamar Jackson and that made me really happy because I didn't have to feign excitement because you know he's my favorite player in the, in the NFL. And a lot of New Orleans Saints. So I did a lot of Saints play-by-play and a lot of Lamar Jackson highlights and play-by-play. And haven't seen it yet, haven't heard it yet, but I do know that my voice will be involved in the number one selling video game in the world. So it may be that my voice will get heard by more vo- by more people than anything I've ever done in my life. Well, will you move out of the Looney Mansion? Will you head on to the Looney Mansion? Or will you buy a new Looney Mansion there? This sounds like a great gig. Uh, it, it was a great gig, but the gig is up and the jig is up. And if next year I do a lot more uh, work with it, then it will be uh, a lot more money than it was this time. I was uh, I, I, I have no idea exactly what why it was so late in the game in July that I was doing so much for Madden. But um, when people play it they will find out find out and it's a really cool deal hey since we're still talking about the national football league and we just accidentally kicked off with it talking about coaches and kind of dovetailed into it did you see that fox and cbs announced their broadcast teams yes i saw that because i always like to use those guys and gals on the show they're fantastic sports radio guests and it's a great job. It's a great achievement in broadcasting. Oh, my God. Play-by-play voice for the NFL. It, it really is. And so there's some new voices that, well, at least one with Fox. Fox has got Buck and Aikman and Andrews still saying, staying the same with their A team. Their B team is Moose Johnson, mm-hmm. who replaces Charles Davis, who I think is the best color commentator in the world when it comes to football. It'll be Kevin Burkhart and Moose Johnson. Uh, Davis is a huge loss for Fox. Don't know how they let it happen. Uh, and uh, he's going over to CBS to their, I think their number one team. Uh, uh, the C team at Fox, Adam Amin, joins the NFL with uh, on Fox with Mark Schlereth. Love Stink. He's always been good. Oh, player. my God. He was great player, over great the- player, great radio. Great. Oh, radio. my God. Great radio guest. Say hello and let him go. Uh, informative, intelligent, relevant answers that it gives you and you know and entertaining and when you have guests on the radio just to have guests on the radio it doesn't always work out well when you have guests and they can be informative relevant and entertaining 
that's uh, you know those are those are three tool uh, guests right there. And uh, Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma will be the D team over at Fox, and that's a pretty good D team. Kenny I don't Albert, like where could, you're going? I don't like where you're going with A B C D because we have friends who listen to this podcast, and I know you're 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 going you're going to get to these other talents. I don't rank okay. I well that oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's it. There. Well, that's the way actually they listed it, and I probably shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have uh, expressed it that way, uh, but I did and over at cbs they've announced well, their team the cbs list can i do that yeah yeah go for it uh the a-list team is jim nance tony romo and tracy wolfson oh my god they're good uh the b team i'm gonna stop with these b teams <laughs> iron eagle who uh -huh. i love over the years charles davis charles davis who david i told Bob you Arm. oh yep, my god great. yep uh your big fan one of your biggest fans kevin harlan love him Trent Green and Melanie Collins. Can I say this? Kevin Harlan is the greatest play-by-play -play guy, period, that's alive right now. The greatest football play-by-play -play guy in the world, especially on the radio. But let me just say across the board is Kevin Harlan. Every time I see him, he says, great. Hey, JT, where's Looney? I say, oh, Kevin, I'm here covering the game. I know. How, tell Looney I said hi. And by the way, that's not why I'm saying that, but it made me pay more attention to him. And I think he's terrific. Uh, Greg Gumble, Rich Gannon. You know, I'm a big Gannon guy. Gannon yes. is fantastic as an analyst. Uh, and his sister's a nun, you know, JT. You gotta love Rich and his, his sister, who's a nun. They're very holy people. Andrew Catalan. <laughs> Catalan? Okay, I don't know Andrew. Yeah, well, both Fox and CBS added a new young guy. I assume Lofton. that's a new young guy. James Lofton. Spiro Didas and Anna Marcelletta. Uh, Spiro's from your years with the Lakers. Yeah, the only guy ever to just voluntarily leave the Lakers. He was the first ever. And then Dwight Howard did it right after that. But Spiro Ditas, the first guy to say, oh, I'm going to move on to something else. As the young 20-something voice of the Lakers left town, I'll never forgive him. Doing games on TNT in the bubble he's, for he's basketball. Good. Yep. Uh, Tom McCarthy, Jay Feely, and then finally my friend, Beth Mowens who works for the Raiders preseason, and Tiki Barber. Nice. So they'll get some assignments there, too. So uh, those are some of the broadcast teams that we see here. Romo is the A-list guy, the A-list analyst oh. for CBS. Troy Aikman is your A-list analyst for Fox with Joe Buck. Well, I will tell you one thing about Tony Romo when it's when he when he when he bursts onto the scene. And I remember, people were uncomfortable because he was doing it differently. And as a guy, my my style has always been to put a quarter turn on the Medane. Don't do it like everybody else. I kind of always gone out of my way in life, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's writing, whether it's reading a, a live read without sounding like I'm reading, whether it's broadcasting. I always wanted to why be like the other guys. And so too many guys get broadcasting jobs and then say, oh, my God, I've got a big gig. And then they listen closer to how others do it instead of making their act themselves and their self their act. That's why I've always enjoyed working with you, because you're just being you and you're not copying other people. Tony Romo's not copying anybody. That's for sure. Tony Romo is fantastic. question on radio i was asked by a friend of mine my top five favorite tv shows ever oh i love it oh god i love this well because remember we did didn't we do our top 10 rock bands of all time i think we did and we well we're children of the we're children of television so this is definitely in our wheelhouse yeah so i had to do a little bit of homework on this but i put I, it together and these are the top five tv shows of my lifetime 
Okay. But I'm going to start with the two honorable mentions. Oh, I love honorable mentions. I got right. a few. Okay. There's nothing wrong with an honorable mention. Oh, my God, no, because you feel guilty about leaving them out. Uh, at number, the first, there's two honorable mentions. I got seven and six. At number seven, Downton. Downton Abbey. I'm oh. the only male that watched Downton Abbey. You're, you're the heterosexual ever, male in the universe. Yeah, I know. I'm the first ever male to watch The View. <laughs> I watched the first ever View. The day they debuted The View, I happened to be walking past the TV and watched it. <laughs> I watched Downton Abbey, uh, the British th- series about the staff in the basement and the upper upper crust in the house. Loved it. It was a great show. And I think you loved The Crown, too, which might get an loved honorable man. Oh, my God. I, you, you turned me on to that. It was great. At number six, my, my the honorable mention, Seinfeld. Okay. Seinfeld did not make my top five, but little fun fact, Jerry Seinfeld grew up in the same town I did. JT the Brick, or John on the podcast, <laughs> I'm from Massapequa. Home of the Baldwin brothers, Jerry Seinfeld, Joey Buttafuoco, the Stray Cats. Wow. And growing up as a kid, three blocks from my home was Seinfeld Signs. And Jerry's dad, the night that he would be on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, would drive up and down our neighborhood blocks with a sign saying, Jerry's on The Tonight Show tonight. How and cool that is that? Early memory in my neighborhood, but that doesn't get into my top five. At number five, I had to put a late night show in. David Letterman. Oh, because we're talk show hosts. I get it. Yeah. David Letterman changed my life from college, watching late night, the, the style of his comedy. And I have to do this now, and I apologize to those who get offended. The, the late night shows now, and I'm a Kimmel guy, are so bad. They're being so exposed. They're so angry, political. It's almost like turning off Fox News or MSNBC and then turning it on. I mean, look. There's some good guests, and the music is pretty good, but they didn't evolve during the pandemic. They're doing their shows on Zoom, and they all suck. They're, they're terrible. I turn them on, off. I watch Inside Edition with Deborah Norville. Instead. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is, my, is my friend Lisa Guerrero in Inside yeah. Edition? Yeah, isn't she great? She's a correspondent. At number five, David Letterman. At number four, some people say the greatest show of all time, MASH. MASH. Okay. With Alan Alda. The great, great, great show that had the highest finality in the history. Oh, for forever. Super Bowls and football yeah. started to take it over. But for I would say a couple of decades, the number one watched show ever was the finale of MASH. My 17-year-old son's never heard of MASH. Of course. Hasn't even no. heard, of, heard the name of MASH. I don't think it's MASH incredible. has standed the test of time. That's why. Yeah. Everybody needs to go watch MASH. At number three. The Sopranos, the Sopranos, the HBO mafia style, beautifully written. So many people say it's the greatest TV show of all time. I've never seen one. Yep, I, you got to go see it because I know. Yeah, and I'm, I'm knocking out Breaking Bad now. <laughs> I couldn't put that on my list because I didn't finish it. Okay. At number two, maybe the show that had the biggest influence on my entire life, 60 Minutes. Oh, yes. Tell the story about your father. My dad would always say, hey, watch 60 Minutes, read the New York Times, because I was always getting in trouble. I was well, he, well, you said if you, if, you were gonna drop out, if you were gonna drop out of high school, then he had a plan for you. One time he told me, if you don't wanna do this, if you don't wanna go to school, read the New York Times every day and watch 60 Minutes. And I watched 60 Minutes my entire life. I can honestly say, with other than travel, 
but then I made it up. I found a way to watch it mm-hmm. or it was taped or whatever. I pretty much watched 60 minutes every episode, pretty much every episode my entire life. 60 minutes has had a big impact on me. And the number one show of my entire life, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Your like fetish for Game of Thrones. Wow. I, 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 you, you talked about it nonstop when we were together on the yeah, radio. It's the, only, it's the only show that I ever felt like I was going to a movie every Sunday night for the entire time. So those are my top five. Letterman, Mash, Soprano, 60 Minutes, and Game of Thrones. And the amazing thing about Game of Thrones, which didn't make it onto my list, and I didn't put my top five in any particular order, but Game of the Sets in Game of Thrones, the sets, which I think they filmed in Croatia and Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. Among other spots. Yeah. Oh, the sets. No, uh, no budget at all. Whatever they wanted to do, however they wanted to put that show together. A lot of snobs, Game of Thrones snobs at the end didn't like the season finale or the final season. It was tough to top. Same thing with The Sopranos. It's always tough to top what you've done when you've done. Oh, good. remember the Seinfeld finale people didn't like. Yeah. It was just, it, and it's, you know, it's tough to top yourself. And that's a really good position you have yourself in uh, when you're in the entertainment business. Well, my top five are uh, not in any particular order, but I, I will say I do have breaking bad bias because due to COVID-19, I said, Oh my God. Okay. I've got the free time now to, you know, to, to catch up on breaking bad. I had never seen one. And I caught up on the entire series of Breaking Bad, and it ruined binge-watching for me for a while. I've had a hangover since I did watch the the prequel, Better Call Saul, which is incredible television as well. And so I had that as kind of a crutch after Breaking Bad. The downside of seeing Breaking Bad, kind of like when I was a kid, if you go back in the hot tub time machine, the first, first concert I ever saw was the Rolling Stones. They were 80,000 people, Ritz Stadium, Buffalo, New York, 4th of July. And so no other concert after that can ever live up to that being a first concert. And very few TV shows can live up to the greatness of Breaking Bad. Late Night with David Letterman is the only one that matches on both of our lists. A huge influence on me. And I don't think there's a TV show in my life that I ever loved more. That's a honor. Wow. Yeah, I don't think so. I loved it on NBC. Late show with David Letterman. Followed him to CBS. I don't know if I adored a TV personality more. Style, uh, the comedy, the humor, uh, the irreverence. Yeah, I think I probably, over the course of my life, that was probably, if I had to rate my number one favorite TV show, it might be that. With a wink and a nod to the Munsters and I Dream of Jeannie and everything we grew up with on WPIX in New York, which had a, a brilliant late night, a brilliant night lineup for kids after school, remember? Oh, my God, and it was Three Stooges, I Dream of Jeannie and the Munsters, and they had... So, uh, so those were, by the way, those were some of my honorable mentions there. Uh, Saturday Night Live had a huge influence on me. It's an incredibly difficult show to put together. And sometimes people are constantly critiquing each new season, et cetera. But look at the talent decade after decade after decade that comes out of Saturday Night Live. Look at the Saturday Night Live Alumni Association. How many brilliant 
successful people came out of Saturday Night Live? Is it 30? Is it 40? Is it 50? Is it 60? The number's pretty high. About that number. You're right about that. (laughs) Some a little bit more overrated than others, but there's been some great, great hosts on that show that come off, and especially some of the... You know, players on that show our entire life. They simply get cast. Slumps in the cast. Yes, they have. And if you have to, we noticed that with the best damn sports show period, which is also an honorable mention here. But with the best damn sports show period, every once in a while, we would put together a best of show, and we realize how much great stuff we did. Yes, when you're doing an hour and an hour and a half. Remember, for a while, we did an hour and a half every single night. There's going to be a lot of uh, parts of the roller coaster that are just steady and not all that exciting. But then we realized the great work we did when we put highlight shows together. And even in a bad season, quote unquote, with Saturday Night Live, take the best of. And it's usually uh, quite brilliant. Six feet under doesn't get mentioned enough. That's an honorable mention for me, too. You and I six feet under. Yeah, six feet under on HBO really locked in a lot of people to series television and binge watching over the years. Someone would die at the beginning of every episode. It was a family who owned a funeral home. And uh, and you can with a lot of different, really uh, colorful characters within the family. A lot of death. A lot of death, right? Dealing with an issue that TV TV was a lot of lollipops for most of our life, and didn't deal with that issue very often. And so, and that's an issue that everybody can relate to. But in American culture, we don't always like to talk about. And it was it was brilliant. And you got to see the life. You know, going to Catholic schools. I went to school with more than one family that owned funeral homes. And, you know, the McNerney's owned a funeral home, and so did the Calix. And so I, it was really cool for uh, people all over the country, families who grew up with a dead body downstairs in the fancy living room, uh, got, got to have an homage to them. So it was a really cool show for that reason. Fargo, the TV series, was a masterpiece. One coming out with Chris Rock. New coming up. No doubt about it. Great show. Oh, my God. God. And then they were able to remember the the first time, the first season they had, you thought they could never top it. And then I don't know that they topped it, but they came out with equally brilliant seasons. What is it? Three so far they've had or four? Uh, They're just great. So I think I gave you five there, but uh, an honorable mention to Curb Your Enthusiasm, which uh, I've had great enthusiasm for. In this past decade. Good list, Tom Looney. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, television. We were we were children of the television generation. Calling CQ. Calling CQ. Uh, uh, come in, please. Jay, I wanted to mention something. I want to go inside radio a little bit. You know, I work God. on Mad Dog Sports Radio at night. Yes. I just love this format. I love working for this place. The, the management's great. The people are great. The guys I work with are great. And today, as we record this on September 2nd, they announced that they hired Pat McAfee. Oh, wow. Hunter, who's really, I won't, I won't even say he's an up-and-coming name. He, he well, quit. he's been a shooting star in the radio business. Yeah, he's a shooting star in the radio business, so he's in that lineup, and I'm in that lineup. And I was really excited today. My phone was blowing up. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. And he started with Barstool, and he's leaving CBS Sports Radio Westwood One, and he's bounced around. He's one of the few guys in radio that, you know, we've always heard this because we've been in radio. I've been in radio mm-hmm. 24 years, that who's the next up-and-coming guy 
when we started off together, George Sedano, who's gone right. on to yep. well, George started very young. He was behind us in overnights, and now he's gone on to do really, really good things with ESPN and all the TV work he's doing. But all the time, and this is for young broadcasters who are listening, there's never been the second wave of young guys coming in. No one. And that's unfortunate because Mike and the Mad Dog, Mike and the Mad Dog are icons in New York, and there's some great local icons in certain markets. I won't get into them, but nationally, with Dan Patrick and Colin and some of the names out there, Dan, you know, you look at some of the guys who have been doing this a while. We've been around a while, yep. and to see this happen today was really, really interesting. And I want to tie it up by saying this because I want to connect. If I connect with one young broadcaster, I want to connect with at least one person for all of our followers on this podcast. I'm almost at the two-year anniversary to the day. Yep. Two-year anniversary to the day where I was unceremoniously let go by Fox Sports Radio after 17 and a half years. And it really hurt. And it bothered the shit out of me. We even did a podcast on it. I was really disappointed the way it happened. One of our mutual best friends told me before the bosses who wanted to tell me who weren't Mm -hmm. able to tell me because a friend of ours told me first and we were able, I was able to go on a counter attack and say, no, 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 we're going to do this on my terms. Okay. If you don't want me back, great. I went right to the top of the company, got an incredible severance, an incredible package. And now two years later, I'm on a better lineup, much better management, we got a lot of good friends still at Fox Sports Radio. Oh, my a God, A lot yeah. of good friends. I mean, people I love, I don't like. People, if I saw them, I'd hug them and say, I love you, guys and gals. But I just want to tell you how wild of a journey it was. Two years, almost to the day, when I found out this news and I thought my life was really going to be upside down, not for money or for a job. I knew I was going to get another job. I knew I was going to get good jobs. But... The, the thing I want to connect on is sometimes you can't see what's next. You can't. Right. And it brings in doubt and fear. But again, I'm not fearful because I've done this for a while. But wow. And I don't know what's going to happen next. I got a couple of really good announcements that we'll make on this podcast in the next one or the one after that. A lot of doors are opening up. And those doors only opened up because a door closed two years ago unceremoniously in a gutless way by a bunch of gutless guys who didn't have the balls to handle it right. And now, today they welcome Pat McAfee, and I see this and I see what's happening to me, and I want to tell these young broadcasters, no matter what happens, take the high road. Because this is my podcast. I could say whatever the hell I want. It's not a radio show. Mm-hmm. right? I don't worry. I'm not saying this to my bosses. I'm the boss of this podcast with you. And I just wanted to say today that I had a wave of emotion seeing a younger guy in the business, Pat McAfee, get this really cool opportunity, I'm included in that lineup. And it's literally on the two-year anniversary that I look back on and said, man, I thought that was the end of the world. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. And a lot of times the great things that happen in life and the successful things, when the successful things happen to you, you can really only connect the dots backwards. While you're going forward, many times it's chaos, my chaos theory of the universe. Sometimes it doesn't always make sense as long as you keep working. And then many times the great things that happen in life make more sense once you connect the dots backwards. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.